you know, we'll be home one day. The title of the message this morning is in the middle of our journey. In the middle of our journey. You know, uh, I was sharing this this morning during prayer. We are living in a time of uh, strong demonic compression of depression of the mind. I'm going to tell you this. If you ain't feeling it, then then uh, i tell you what, I don't know what you're doing. Because I can tell you this, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I, I've often thought about this, and this right here is where the devil will get me sometimes. He'll say, son, why you even keep on trying to do something for God? You see all these ones that used to do it now sitting at the house doing this and that, not living for God, putting on a show, not, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Why are you doing it? All you're going to do is give up and fail one day. Huh. That's what the devil does. He gets in there and he attacks your mind. He says, what you're doing? But let me tell you this, you best be remembering this. What you are doing, you best be doing it for the glory of God. It's God's grace, God's mercy. You ain't sitting at the house this morning. Let me tell you this. During the middle of our journey, see, I'm going to use an illustration of the Old Testament. I'm going to share a few things that Isaiah saw whenever he seen the coming of the Lord, the first coming, and the second coming. But he never gives the details of the in-between. I, I, I have learned the very, one of the very best illustrations that, that I could ever imagine of this. Have you ever been riding where, where the mountains are? You ever been riding where the mountains are? Boy, I tell you, I love the mountains. I, I do. I do. I, I love it up there. Don't like driving it all the time. <clears throat> but I love the mountains. And if you have you ever seen two mountain tops, and boy, they look like they just right there beside each other. And then when you get to that one, that other one's a long ways over. See, that's how Isaiah saw the first and second coming. He's seen them as two mountain tops out there. He don't know the distance in between them. So all he can say is in the scriptures here, in one scripture he speaks of the first and second coming of the Lord. He don't know the distance. He knew it, but he knew he was coming. And we know that we've celebrated here the past few days, or yesterday, uh, the birth of Jesus. We've, we've Christmas. <clears throat> but his first coming was fulfilled whenever Jesus got up and read the scriptures in the, in the, in the tabernacle. Let's, if you will, stand. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. As you are turning, we're going to be looking at is in the middle of our journey. But I'm just going to set a little bit of time here first. Isaiah chapter 61. You there say amen. Isaiah's a Old Testament. Y'all ready? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you notice this, this is the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first, uh, it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And, that little land right there is the time in between the first coming and the second coming. He don't know the time in between. No man knoweth the hour. But if you look here, it says, And the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. 
Isaiah's seen it right there. He's seen the first coming and the second coming, but he don't know the distance in between. See, what we are doing is we're fixing to see where the first prophecy was fulfilled. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Verse number 16, and it says, now this is Jesus here now, and it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and at his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse number 18. This should be a familiar verse. We just read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse number 19. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I wrote in my Bible right there, he stopped there. He stopped there. Jesus stopped. Hey, he, didn't, he didn't go into the vengeance of God yet. But he stopped right there. And the Bible says, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The first time the fulfillment of the word of God that Isaiah I mean, proclaimed, prophesied, Jesus stands up and says, this is the day, the first coming of God. If you will, Brother Bullet, will you pray? Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes. Yes, God. God. God, if you don't do it, Lord, it it may us. You know, a lot of times we'll say, wherever he leads, I'll go. He's a leading and we don't follow. That's the way most of us do. It says, wherever he leads, I'll go. But most of us, what we go and say, we say, well, I, I, it's, I can't do it right now. I can't do it right I got to get this done. And I got to get that done. There's, there's, there's all, hey, look, the devil's going to give you so many excuses He'll give you an excuse to miss church. He'll give you an excuse. Hey, he'll give you an excuse to miss heaven. He will. He'll give you an excuse to miss heaven. 
And I tell you what, you ain't going to be able to, in that day, turn around and say, but the devil made me do it. God's going to say, depart from me into everlasting fire. <clears throat> Isaiah 61, the prophet seen the first and second coming of the Lord, but the distance of time in between he could not tell. In Luke chapter 4, 16 through 21, the fulfillment of the first coming read by the Lord, which you've seen where Jesus stood up, the Bible, the Bible was, was presented there. Jesus picks it up and he reads the exact verse speaking of the coming of, of, of the Lord. And he, he pretty much the Lord's saying, I mean, if you go on in the scriptures, you'll see where he says, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. But then some of them start mocking and say, ain't that the, ain't that the Joseph's son? Ain't that Joseph's son there? Boy, I tell you what, you've got skepticals today. You got ones that's going to come up with excuses. You got ones that's going to say this and that about the church. I tell you what, uh, you know how many people say this? There, there's so many hypocrites in the church. You ever heard people say that? There's so many hypocrites in the church. Well, can I tell you something? Can I be honest with you here for a second this morning? Not everybody in this church is saved this morning. Not everybody here is saved. You know why? You know why? Because let me tell you this, of every group, there's a remnant that's lost. They have become uh, people that have found out how to perform, how to act. That's what a hypocrite is. They know how to go through the motions. They know how to do this and that. But that's the reason the scriptures normally, uh, uh, numerous times says, search your heart out. You better search your heart out. You better make sure you're truly saved. And Jesus now, as he read the scriptures, his first, his first purpose has been fulfilled, the birth. Number one, the birth of the Lord. Number two, the life. Number three, the punishment. Number four, the death. And number five, the, the, the uh, ascension, the arise of the Lord. And sin debt was paid in full. So now if you're saved or if you're lost, you are living somewhere in the between. In between his first coming and the second coming. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament, and I'm going to share you of a time where God saved and brought his, the children of Israel out of bondage. And what happened here? is they get in there and they get somewhere in the in-between. What do you mean the in-between? I'm talking about from the time they were brought out of Egypt to the time before they entered into the promised land. There was a time. Let me tell you this, that's what we're living in. We are living in the in-between. We're living in the in-between when you say, what do you mean there? I'm talking about we know the Son of God has come and paid our sin debt. We are living in between that and the day of vengeance. See, what happens in this in-between time is there's so many distractions. Boy, I tell you this. And I've said it, I started in, in the very beginning of, 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 of December. There's been so many distractions now, even in December. There's so many things that takes people away from the true meaning of Jesus Christ. There's so many things. There's so many distractions. Kay told me this morning that something happened there. Hey, on a Sunday morning at 5 o'clock, distractions to the house of God. Why? Why? It's because, hey, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract. He wants to destroy the time that you can worship your God and offset your mind. 
That's called a, com a compressed depression. That's what the devil does. It's like he's got that vice on your head. And every time he gets a chance to make a twist on it, he will. And it causes a little bit more of that pressure. And when you've got pressure on your brain, on your mind about everything else, do you know what's happening? Your vision, your, uh, your, your attraction of the Lord is being offset. See, that's what happened to the children of Israel. This country has got to the place where it wants to replace everything of history. They want to remove it. They want to remove history and replace it with something else. Let me tell you this, my friend. When you take away history, history repeats itself every time. I listen to that news channel. I listen to that news channel. Hey, I, I ain't prejudiced by no means. But I will tell you this. Up there in some city up there that's liberal, what they say in here, and I listen to the news channels during the day out there on the machine, seeing what's going on in the world. And you know what they're trying to do now? There's so much of a percentage of whites teachers in the schools. So now what they wanting to do is the, the, the there's 100 teachers in the school and there's 15 black uh, 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 teachers in the school. You know what they wanting to do? You know what the liberals is wanting to do? They wanting to put all the blacks over here together so they feel comforted. What is it happening? We're repeating. You take out history, we fix it to be segregated again. And they bringing it upon themselves. Stupidity. That's what the devil does. He causes division. You say, I, I was listening to this man before school board. I said, fool, you make no sense. Everybody fought for a right to have freedom. Now you want to be put back in the corner. Let me tell you this. If we don't heed to what the Word of God says, let me tell you this, you'll be just as that fool was, and you'll repeat history. You know, let me tell you what, God takes you, hey, he saves your soul, he brings you and leads you and guides you and you see the blessings of the mighty hand of God and as he's a bringing you, boy, there's a little time in your life where you down and out and weak and it seems like nobody's ministering unto you and before too long you start trying to find some junk to worship that makes you feel good. And before too long, hey, when the man of God shows back up, you over half naked and bunch dancing with a bunch of ungodly people doing something that God said don't do. It's all because what you did was you turned around and started looking for something to fit your needs. That's what happens. And if we don't pay attention to what God's Word says, you'll be wrapped up in it too. You'll be over in a corner. Might as well get you a passy. Put in your mouth when you cross your arm, just give you something to do. I'm serious. History repeats itself. We in the middle of the journey. We in the in-between. Well, I tell you this. My, the Bible says my spirit's wheeling. My spirit's wheeling, but my, my flesh is weak. Let me tell you this. If I would not feed the flesh so much, he wouldn't have so much strength over my spirit. If I didn't listen 
to ungodly things. If I didn't watch ungodly things. Let me say, I'm going to just go ahead and get a little personal with you. That Facebook, I've, I'm, look, I flip-flopped on Facebook so much. At Facebook, I'm going to tell you, you can ride her down outside trying to sell a puppy. I don't want to get on it because I believe it's out of hate. You can't roll up through it without seeing somebody trying to dance half naked. And let me tell you what, your mind starts getting messed up. That TikTok, every bit of that junk, I'm going to tell you it's a tool out of the devil and it's going to drag you and your family to hell. It will. You know why? Because that's some distraction. That's some golden images that make you feel good that you can dance around half naked. Go ahead and get a little person. You can't even have a Christmas gathering. Without somebody wanting to be half naked. I tell you this, people don't have convictions no more. People don't have convictions no more. You know why? Because they're out of the presence of God. They've got out of his realm. And they start looking for that golden calf. Boy, let me find some. Let me find something I can make. Let me tell you this. You know when the children of Israel come out of the land of Egypt? You know whenever they come out? You know they were being paid for back pay for 400 years of working? Boy, they had a retirement they took with them. And what they do? They took their possessions. They melted them all together and made them something to worship. Thank God there was a man of God. Moses, when he come back down, hey, he, he, he created a fire. He melted it down. He beat it down that it was as dust, and they put it in the stream. They watched their fame and fortune go right down the stream. Let me tell you this, you start worshiping the wrong things. Your fame, your fortune that God's give you, the blessings God's give you is going down the toilet. This is absolutely nothing what I was going to be preaching this morning. But I can tell you this, as far as, as far as, it's time for us to wake up. We, God's give us another chance. We're in the in-between, but the end's coming soon. You say, well, I, I, I'm at the end of my journey. You're still in the in-between. Let me tell you this, if there's anybody that should want to get on fire for God. It'd be ones that know that their ends are coming soon. You get these little kids over here in the kids section. You know what? 99% of the time, God is not on one of them's mind. You know why? Because they think they have the rest of their life to get in, in, involved with God. You say, how do you know that? Because I was once there. Boy, you let a, a child start getting a, a fire and desire, a desire for God. I mean, to give you another reason why in the kids section, most of them don't uh, have a, a zeal for God. You know why? You know why, Brother Rogers, these kids ain't got a zeal? Because they look at their daddy and say he ain't got one. They look at their mama and say that she ain't got one. Let me tell you this, my friend. You can't expect your kids, your family members to have a zeal for a holy God until you get one. I tell you this, that's one thing I want. Let me tell you this, I ain't, on, I ain't got the fire in me I had a year ago. I don't have it. Something hurt me a while back, and I don't even know what it is. Ain't that crazy? 
That's what most of, most of you, if you've got a, in your life, if you're not living where God wants you to be at, and you can't put your finger on it to save your life. You say, oh, so-and-so did this. Oh, so-and-so did that. Shut up. It's because of you. Let me tell you this, brother. You cannot hurt my walk with God. Only I can. That's it. Don't try to blame somebody else. Let me tell you this. Only what you, hey, you can help my walk. But let me tell you this. Most of the time, if I'm right with God and me and you have a situation, it's going to draw me closer to Him when I'm right with God. When I'm not right with God, it's going to cause a distance between me and God and me and you. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 9. Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day and to go into the possessed nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. Boy, I tell you what, God's got, a, he's got something he wants to give his children. Hey, he bring you out of the land of bondage. He wants to give you something mighty good. But the problem is you like walking around the fence just to be able to glance over and see what's on the other side every once in a while, what you are missing. i tell you this, quit worrying about what's behind you and move on forward to the glory of God. He says, hey, I got some cities for you to come to that the walls are built up to heaven. You, hey, where you've been a-living, it's that little old 16-inch picket fence. Wouldn't even keep a rat out. Rat could jump it. He says, boy, you stay with me. You stick with me. I'll bring you to a land that the walls reach the heavens. Why? 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 Why does, why is walls, walls is mentioned numerous times in the Bible. Why is the purpose of walls? The reason why is for protection. And let me tell you what the biggest reason for walls is. To keep people out you don't want in. Boy, I tell you, this country's forgot that too. I'm going to tell you this. You watch all the rates and rapes and the, all the, suicide, I mean, the murder rates and all these things just start skyrocketing. You know why? You know why? Because there's people done got in the city that don't belong here. And there's no repercussion but a slap on the wrist and a drop off across the line again. It says right here in verse number 2, A people great and tall, children of the Nakins, whom thou knowest and of them thou hast heard said, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is, is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. Let me tell you this. You don't have to go fight no battles when God's with you. He goes before you and he weakens them down. Well, you can slap them around. Hey, you, well, you should look over there in them giants. Hey, they're 10 foot tall marching around. When the hand of God sweep through there, hey, they were like midgets. You just go over and just slap them one good time they die. He says, I go before you as a consuming fire. Well, let me tell you this, and I know you've heard this before, but you always remember this. If you want to be in a majority, you get on God's side. Because a majority is always with God. It might not be in number. It might not be but 12. It might not be but uh, 100,000 born again saved in a nation. But I tell you this, if you're on God's side, you're on the winning side. Because he's a consuming fire. 
Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. He shall bring them down before thy face. So shall thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. God told him them he was going hey, he was going to make this place for them. Hey, you you know them little old guns that Justin's got. Them, I'm talking about them things you can shoot somebody all but an eyeball and it just tingle. It's a little bitty old ball, that little old liquid ball, jelly ball. You can feel it, don't hurt. I tell you what, when God goes through a mighty hey, God could sweep through rush over. And boy, he caused such a confusion. You could uh, group me at 10 men go through there with them little jelly ball guns and run the whole country out there. When God goes through there first, that's what he's saying. He said, Speak out in thine, thou in thine heart after the Lord thy God has cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteous Lord hath brought me into possess this land. But for thy wickedness of thy nation, the Lord hath drove them out before thee. Let me tell you this. L listen to verse number 5. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart doth thou goest to possess their land, but for the wickedness of these nations of the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee and that he may perform the word which the Lord swore unto his fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me tell you this. God didn't wipe them out and say, get out and let these people come in because he thought highly of them. He thought big of his promise he made to Abraham. Let me tell you this. You bless, It ain't nothing special you were doing. Hey, let me tell you this, it might be, the reason you might be getting blessed, there's somebody way more wicked than you, he wanted to run off. You say, well, I, I tell you what, I made starter, I made starter, boy, God's a blessing me. Hey, there might have been one that was just sorrier than you in God's eyes, he made them get a broke ankle. That's how God does things. It ain't nothing, because if you look back at your life, you see how good you are. You ain't nothing to you. You don't pray like you should. You don't read your Bible like you should. You don't do what you should for God, and God blesses you. Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess for thy righteousness. Hey, God said, uh, 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 Moses is saying here, God didn't give this land to you because of your righteousness because y'all been nothing but a bunch of failures. He pretty much says, because you a bunch of stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked, hard-hearted, set in your ways. Verse number 7, Remember and forget not thou how thou provokest, the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day when thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Boy, I tell you this, I'm afraid. As children of God, from the moment you got saved, we've been rebellious to God. We ain't did what God told us to do. Are you doing what God told you to do? God calls us a bunch of stiff-necked people. Boy, I tell you this, if you're living in a stiff-necked time, I believe it's, it's, it's full of it now. I tell you this, that's the reason most of us is so easily demonic compressed is because we're stu so stiff-necked, we're trying to look in one direction, not to God, and the devil knows how to just pinpoint us on that one spot. We're so hard-headed, we can't turn back and fall upon God like old Moses. You say, well, I tell you this, uh, uh, where's the Moses is at today? Some people say they're like Moses. You show me somebody that will get down, get on his face and pray for God without water or food for 40 days. 
<laughs> you get serious with God, you can do things like that. You get serious with God. If I get serious with God, oh God, please save oh so and so. Please, God, uh, help his family. God, please help the church to grow and then go about, spend five seconds on it and never cross your mind for one week until you get back in the house of God. Boy, I tell you what, what if some of us say, I tell you this, hey, my, I've got a great job. I've got a great job. But I tell you this, I'm going to get on my face before God if it causes me to lose my job until God answers prayer. Boy, I tell you what, you start seeing some things, some miraculous things from God. But you know the reason we don't do that? Number one is lack of faith. That's number one. Number two, we're such a stiff-necked, sorry people that we ain't worried about nobody but ourselves. Because I can tell you this, if you wasn't just worried about yourself, you, we'd all, every one of us had somebody here this morning. Talking about setting some goals in church. I tell you this, we've got some church members that need to set some goals, even try to make it to church. I tell you this, that's the reason, boy, I could say this and not spit a second, but it make things bad. It'd be, I'll tell you, it'll be a cold day in hell. Before I ever start asking people to pray for me on Facebook. Can't believe you said that. Well, I can tell you this, I'm not sorry. Let me tell you this, you want people to pray for you, you better get to the house of God. Scroll through some of them pages. Hey, this time they've got praying hands there. Little halo praying hands. Pray for me. You scroll up through their page. They was drunk there night before. Let me tell you, there, their prayers didn't do nothing. They even thought about some putting on there. Your prayers won't be answered. Scratch you off. Let me tell you this. You best be getting to the house of God. Now that is not popular preaching, but that God didn't call me to be a popular preacher. I tell you this, I've learned. I just about whittle them out. Church, uh, boy, I tell you what, yeah, if you you a few of them good messages, boy, if people start coming, getting happy, boy, I tell you this, it won't be long. You run them off, but you just run the fake ones off. That's who you run off the fake ones. I like mornings like this. I tell you this, you, you may say it what you want, but this right here is straight towards me, this message. He says right here, he says, verse number 9, I was going up in the mount, received the table of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights, and neither did I eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. And on them was a writing according to all the words which the Lord spake unto you with the, in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, even the uh, table of the covenant. Boy, I tell you what, I believe that was a glorifying time right there. I believe that was a glory. Hey, old Moses just seen the hand of God. Boy, I, I believe, I believe Moses was, Moses was on his most spiritual high he had ever experienced. He was up there by himself in the mountain with God. And now he's seen the hand of God. Bible says when he come down, there was a glow about him. It was like he was radiant. 
He was putting off a light. Let me tell you this, you get close to God, people will see you putting off a light, and me too. As he comes down, let's see. what Boy, of all this time that God was moving and blessing up there in that mount. See, God knew the whole time what was going on down there in the valley. God knew it. God knew it. And let's see what God tells Moses. And the Lord, uh, verse number 11. And it came to pass at the end of the 40 days, 40 nights, and the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, even the tablets of the commandment. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly and hence. And I want you to see this. This is God. God talking here, telling Moses, he says, he's telling Moses, thy people. Thy people. Talking about Moses' people. Let me tell you this, the Bible says this is God's children. God done got mad. God got mad and he said, hey, Hey, Brother Jeff, that'd be like him talk, uh, God talking to you about your children, but he get mad at them, he's going to say your children. God doesn't get aggravated. He said, well, God's the God of love, and he loves, and he loves, and he loves. Let me tell you this, you don't know my God. You don't know my God. My God's a God of of vengeance. My God is the God of righteousness and judgment. And it's coming. It's coming to it's coming to your house. It's coming to my house. And let me tell you this, I know that I've got some things to pay for. I know. And I dread to see it come. You say, well, uh, what would you I don't know what I know coming know my my prayer is that when judgment comes to my life my past sins that I stay true to God and not be like some sitting at the house give up. He says, for thy people which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them, and they have made them a molten image. Quickly. Boy, I tell you what, you ever get in the presence of God, but I tell you what, it takes you a while. It takes you a while to get back there, but you can get out of God's presence quickly quickly one thought one action get you out of the presence of the holy God furthermore the Lord spake unto me saying I have seen the people and behold this is a stiff necked people let me alone you remember this this is God talking with me God says Moses let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Quit praying for them. Quit seeking my mercy for them. Just wipe them. What is you see no power in prayer? Boy, I tell you, that's what a fool says. I always tell my kids, don't be saying the word fool. Don't be saying the word fool. Don't be calling all your brothers and sisters. There's fools out there. The Bible says a fool don't believe in God. He says, so I turned and came down from the mountain, mount burned with fire and two tables, tablet, and of the covenant, 
were in my hand, and I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and have made you a molten calf. Ye have turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord hath commanded. And I took the two tables uh, uh, and cast them out of my hand and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and forty nights. He fell down. Moses fell down and went to pleading on their behalf for another forty days and forty nights. We're some men of God like this. You let me tell you this? Moses knew what God was fixing to do to these people. So let me tell you this. You say, oh, you can never truly know and love God till you understand his judgment. Because let me tell you this. If you think God's all love and peaches and cream all the time, then you really will never, you won't understand his love. Till you understand his judgment is mighty, but then he allows you off of some of the judgment because he loves you. You start realizing that. Say, boy, I tell you, that's what you call mercy and grace. Great. Hey, mercy, unmerited favor. That's not getting what you deserve. If you got what you deserve, you'd be baking in hell. He says right here, he says, verse number 19, I was afraid of thy anger and hot displeasure. The Lord was wrought against you to destroy you, but the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron. Oh, my, did you say God gets angry? No, I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. I just repeated it. God, hey, God got, the Lord got mad at Aaron. Why did he get mad at Aaron? Because he was such a coward, he listened to him and started bowing down and doing what the people wanted to because they was complaining. Moses is up there trying to get in touch with God. Say, that's what happens in the church. You've got Moseses, you've got Aaron's, and then you've got a congregation of mix between lost and born-again people. Now, which category you fit in? Which category? Are you the one up on the mount praying and pleading for God's people? Are you the one that's there to compromise and make everybody happy? Are you one of the ones that's just running around looking for the leaders to step out so you can gripe and complain, so you can strip down, get naked, and worship a golden calf? You say, well, yeah, that's what they did. That's what they did. Started having these little uh, uh, perverted uh uh, there's some kids in here. That, well, they've heard it all. They probably teach us something. i tell you this. They was doing un, all kinds of ungodly things. Let me tell you this. Whenever prayer gets out and you start finding compromise in, that's what you'll find in the church. And he says, verse number 21, and I took your sin and the calf which he had made and burned it with fire and stamped it and ground very small, even unto as, as the smallest dust. And I cast the dust therefore into the brook and descended out of the mount. Verse number 24, and have been rebellious against the Lord from this day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights. And I fell down at the first because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people. Oh, Moses didn't, hey, he didn't want to take ownership of these people. Hey, I tell you this, God, hey, oh, oh, Abraham, uh, oh, uh, Moses knew how to pray. God said, Roger, you pray for your people. 
you do for your people. What Brother Roger is supposed to get down and pray and say, God, they're not my people. They're your people. That's what Moses started praying. He started touching God's heart again. He said, God, these ain't my people. These your people. He said, uh, he fell down, uh, verse number 26, I prayed therefore unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord, destroy not thy people for thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed them through the greatness, thy greatness. God, you're the one that delivered them out there. That was your greatness. Moses said, hey, I ain't nothing. That was your greatness that brought them out. That's how all this message started, by the word greatness. Greatness. The greatness of God. Moses said, hey, I can't take no credit for this. These are your people. These are your people. God, you're going to have to deliver them. And he said, which thou brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Verse number 27, remember thy servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor their wickedness, nor to their sin. What is Moses saying here? God, don't focus on bullet. God, don't focus upon bullet. You focus, up, you focus again back upon that loving grandparent that he had that, that searched you all the time. You focus upon him, God. See, we're going down in these generations and generations. And I'm telling you this, people read these scriptures, they're going to say, well, God, focus on their grandparents. Well, their grandparents didn't serve you. Their great-grandparents focused on them. God, they didn't serve you. So destruction comes in. Ain't nobody wanting to serve God no more. That's what Moses said here. Remember thy servants Abraham and Isaac, God, and look not on to the stubbornness of these people. Focus back on Abraham, God. Verse number 28, lest the land which thou brought us out say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he hath promised them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Hey, you remember Moses still praying here. Moses is praying. Verse number 29, yet they are thy people. And thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power, and by thy stretched forth hand. Boy, I tell you what, he touched God's heart. And you know what God did? He turned around and delivered them. He delivered them. See, let me tell you this. You say, well, I, my, my prayers don't mean nothing. Boy, I tell you what, your prayers mean something to God. It might not mean nothing to you. But let me tell you this. If your prayers don't mean nothing to you, then I can go ahead and assure you they don't mean nothing to God. But when your prayers start meaning something to you, they mean something to God. Between the beginning and the end of the journey, don't repeat the wrongdoings of others that God gave us as an example. Let me tell you this, he gives us a new year, a new year to start over afresh. Hey, don't get hung up and stay in that same old uh, situation of life that you're in, just wallowing in the mud. As we travel, remember God's blessings. Remember whom you belong to. Remember who brought you out of bondage. Remember who will lead you into the land of promise. Well, I tell you this, we was in bondage. The moment you got saved, you was in bondage. God, hey, you say, well, uh, promised land's Old Testament. Let me tell you this, God's promised me a land. <laughs> He's going to take me too. Who's praying for forgiveness? Who's seeking God? Who's in God's will? Whose prayers are being answered? 
whose will be denied. We have a new year approaching. What will you and I do with the Lord and his wonderful blessings? Learn from mistakes and move forward for his glory. That's all we can do. It depends upon God. Depend upon God. Let me tell you this. Don't go back in. Let this be an example. Hey, when things is down and out, out and in, you don't know which direction you are going, just depend on God. If we've ever lived in a time, I really believe demonic presence in your mind and my mind is ever more realer right now than it's ever been. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, hey, can I ask you a question real fast? Why are you not serving God better than what you're doing? Why ain't I serving God more than what I'm doing? Yes, it is me. It is me. It's my flesh. But I tell you this, there's something that gets in my mind. And it can help hinder my flesh and it can get in your mind why hey, Why you get mad at the preacher why you get mad at the preacher sometimes why you get mad at somebody else in the church why you get aggravated why you say well I ain't going to church today I just don't feel like it why, why is all he saying it all starts is stemmed right here in that mind there's a little seed that's planted. Most of us, what the devil does, he comes through, he just thumps that little old seed. He's accurate. He's accurate. He can thump that one little seed over there. It land right there. And that's us that we up there watering it up under the shower and they're trying to water it. That's us that doing that. All he does is thump that little seed in there. But you're the one that waters it. God don't water it. God don't water it. You have to water. Devil don't have no water to come by. He ain't got no water. Devil ain't got no water. You water it yourself. All he do is got the imagination, the seed. I tell you this, I want to serve God more this next year than I have this past year. And I've come to the conclusion of this. If I'm not closer to God today than I am at any point in time of my life, I'm backslidden. If I'm not closer to God today than I was at any, I ain't talking about a week ago. I ain't talking about a month ago. See, this is what most of us do. We, boy, we, get, we want to serve God. We want to serve God. We're going to serve God. And then you fall back. A little, you, for, for a while, you fall back and fall back. You ain't in church. You don't want to do nothing, this and that. And then you say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to serve God again. And boy, you just do some little old something where you feel spiritual because you're doing more than what you was. But you still ain't where you're supposed to be. That means you're still backslidden and not right with God. Let me tell you this, you can't, you can't be backslidden. I personally cannot be backslidden one bit and be right with God. I'll tell you this, if I'm backslidden one bit, I ain't in God's will. It's time for us just to realize, hey, God's serious, and you even gonna, you going to get with him, or are you going to do it half-heartedly until you die, and then you're going to spend eternity wishing you did more? If you will, stand. In the middle of our journey, remember this, you're in the middle of your journey. Let me tell you what direction, how you go, where you plant, where you, where you take up roots, what you do. The soul in your hands. You're in the middle of your journey. And, and I thought about this. I'm four, we, Wednesday night we said, you know, the average life expansion of somebody's, just say 80 years old, just say 80. I mean, well, you know, it's give or take. I tell you this, I'm 43 years old, 43. Over, my, for sure, I could just about let you know that I'm over half of my life. I'm over it. 
I'm over half of my life. Now what am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do in the middle of my journey? In the between. In the between. I'm in between the first time he came and paid my sin debt, paid my price, paid my debt, and purchased me. And the time he returns, I'm in between. I don't know how much longer it's going to be. It may be 50 more years before the Lord comes back. Or it might be before we walk out that door. God might say, hey, son, time's almost here. We're going to see what they do at the altar. We're going to see if they get things right. And as soon as you stand up, Lord, come back. <clears throat> call the church home. Hey, I'm telling you this. You say, well, I don't believe that. Who are you in authority? We're talking about you have God's authority. No. God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. There's so many people out there trying to predict and this and that, what God's going to do. You can't predict God. It could be this very moment. So I will say this. That's in your hands there. God saved you. God, hey, God gives you the ability. He gives you the sacrifice that all you have to do is accept. If you've never been born again. If you need to pray, come pray. Hey, seek God. I ask you to start the year off right. <laughs>